I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Over the weekend, Utah's Bureau of Land Management drove over and severely damaged a dinosaur track site in Moab while replacing a boardwalk. The incident has raised a, a lot of questions, a lot of questions for me uh, about things that happen when decisions are made from some cubicle in Washington, D.C. or from some faraway place. Uh, if the right people were consulted, if they're involved in the process or do these decisions just come out of the big bureaucracy? Uh, and that's a challenge. And it's a tra- and it's a tragedy uh, because of the, the rareness of these sites and how important they are here to the state of Utah. So to help us break all of that down, uh, we're really pleased to have joining us on the program today. Jeremy Roberts, uh, one of the all time good, good guys, do gooders. You're the do gooders, do gooder, Jeremy. So we think, we think we're grateful to have Jeremy on. Also, uh, Martin Lockley, he is a paleontologist and a professor emeritus at the University of Colorado in Denver. Uh, professor, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. Jeremy, let me start with you just to give us, uh, help our listeners get a little bit clearer on the backstory. Uh, these are some extraordinary fossils at this site, uh, very fragile. Uh, give us just a little detail of what it is. Why is it important to the state of Utah? So, this is the only late Cretaceous period tracks that exist in all of Utah. And our paleo record is, is pretty world renowned. And these tracks, there's some stuff that's just nowhere else on the earth, like Everyone knows like what a velociraptor is, even though, you know, from Jurassic Park. Um, it's the only tracks on Earth that we have of actually a, a raptor species running. So there's stuff there that's just nowhere else. And the, the circumstances necessary to create these tracks are really quite unique. You can actually see where a crocodile, a crocodilian, was up on the banks of this, of this ancient lake, and it slid down into the water and it's been preserved for 116 million years. Wow. And so this is, and what's really interesting is when the track site was originally uh, excavated, like the government of South Korea helped fund it. People from Poland helped fund it. It was a, it was a global effort because of how truly unique and important this is. Yeah. When they, they actually rank sites like this, this is actually ranked the, the seventh most important pale, uh, paleontological site in North America. And the BLM, used it to drive around their tobacco. Uh, and that's a tragedy. I'm going to come back to you on that one in <clears throat> just a second, Jeremy. Uh, but, Professor, let me go to you first. Uh, in, in terms of the, the value of this site, what does this site tell us 
Uh, and why is it so important, not just here in Utah, but around the world? Well, as Jeremy says, uh, this is ranked as the number one, number seven site in the uh, USA. And these are these are very objective national uh, rankings or international rankings. And uh, also, um, as Jeremy says, this is the only uh, significant uh, Cretaceous site in the Moab area, in the Diamond area. And the uh, dinosaurs that have come out of this area, what is soon to be Utah Raptor State Park, are mostly bones, and you can't really see them uh, unless you go to the paleontology labs where they have been taken after being excavated. But I like to say that these dinosaur track sites uh, are part of the ancient landscape, which we have to preserve as part of the modern landscape, not just the scientific landscape, but what I would call the cultural landscape. So they're used for education. The, the BLM and the other agencies have selected some of these sites as destinations for people. So they're, they're very, very important at all levels from the paleontological resource, the, what we call geoheritage, down to the, uh, to the scientific level, to the educational uh, and touristic level. As you probably know, there are hundreds of thousands of people, you know, come to Moab area, to the Dinosaur Diamond every year. And uh, they come because of the paleontological resources, amongst other things. Uh, and that is uh, that is such a critical piece of the puzzle. And so, Jeremy, let me shift to you now. Uh, so as we look at what did happen uh, and what didn't happen, uh, in terms of this and the damage that was done, as you said, with some uh, backhoes going over some uh, just priceless uh, pieces of history. Uh, what, what was the process and what do we need to do different to prevent this kind of stuff in the future? Well, what's kind of interesting is I um, was actually looking online for stuff about Utah Raptor State Park because my little boy was the one who kind of pushed that in the legislature. And um, I came across this on Thursday night, Friday morning. And um, the BLM didn't have any public comment. They didn't involve a single paleontologist. And so I kind of alerted some of the paleontologists, and all of them were just like, we know nothing about this. So the very first thing I did is I called Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee, and I, and I had a conversation with him. And at the time, we thought this was about to happen. And so I called um, – he, his office has been on top of this, and Mike Lee's a good man. He's really helping out with this, and he's going to get to the bottom of it. But our governor, Spencer Cox, who is somebody that I, I think is such an honorable person, um, he's actually back in D.C. right now and, and coincidentally is having dinner with the leadership of the Department of the Interior tonight. And uh, he's told me that Mill Canyon is the number one issue he's going to bring up with them, this track site. And what's really interesting is – he has been trying to get a hold of the BLM all day today, and they're not returning his phone calls. Mm. Um, and that's not unique. The thing is, there are federal laws that protect things like this. And these are treasures that people in Utah ought to care about. Right. I mean, this is part of the stuff that makes Utah neat. The BLM should have followed their own laws. They should have followed their policies. And, and there's no reason to rush this. You know, nobody knew this was happening. If they needed to replace the boardwalk, call a bunch of – we have some of the world's foremost paleontologists – James Kirkland, our state paleontologist, 
is amazing. We have Andrew Milner down in uh, St. George at the Johnson Farm track site down there. You know, we've got uh, Martin Lockley. We, we have Rebecca. I mean, we've, we've got all these amazing paleontologists. It's not like we didn't know where to find one. All that had to happen, and the thing is, 0% of this track site needed to be destroyed. About 30% of it is. Mm. I mean, I've got pictures of a backhoe driving over a seropod, like the long-necked dinosaur. There are tracks. There's a track mark over the top of it. They destroyed a hadrosaur track that's like 30 inches long. It survived for 116 million years until the BLM decided to drive oh. over it. Oh, man. And the thing is, what they should have done is had a very open process. But they didn't even have public comment on this. Right. They, they're spending a quarter million dollars on this project, had no public comment, didn't involve paleontologists. They're not talking to our elected leaders. And like I said, Spencer Cox and Mike Lee have been phenomenal here. And, you know, this is why you want someone like Mike Lee in, Cong- in, in the Senate. This is why you want Spencer Cox as our governor. And they're not reaching – like, they're getting to the bottom of this, and the BLM's trying to hide. Mm. Well, good luck. Good luck <laughs> hiding from my governor and my senator. Like, I, I wish you the luck. Yeah. That's not going to work. And so, you know, they should have had a very public process. But, you know, part of the problem is everyone beats up our legislature because they're cynical about the federal government's care of our land. The standard has to be they have to be excellent stewards of our public lands. This is an excellence. This is, like, intolerable. Yeah, no, this is malpractice and, is, is what this is. <laughs> so Yeah, and so I went down yesterday with a bunch of paleontologists to look at it. And, to, and but granted, I'm just, you know, I like paleontology because my kids are dinosaur nuts. And, and it makes it kind of fun. And, and paleontology is a cool gateway science. But to go down there with paleontologists and see how just crestfallen they were, because this, like this, like only place in the world where this exists, yeah. was driven over, and not only that, they ripped out the the uh, boardwalk and threw it on top of a bunch of tracks. Oh my the gosh. backhoe, as of last night, was parked on top of tracks. Yeah. All right, we're going to continue to track this uh, because this is one of those examples of just not just being so disconnected inside of an agency uh, that you don't have the right conversations, you don't have the right comment period, you don't have the right transparency and accountability. Uh, and this is how we lose some of the, the great treasures. Uh, Jeremy Roberts and Martin Lockley, thank you so much for joining us. This is an important one. We're going to continue to track it here on KSL News Radio. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation and talk about what's happening with the semiconductor squeeze what are, what's Congress doing about all of that? Coming up next. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.